set free And Lord give to us A passion for your word That we may grow and walk in all your ways On behalf of Calvary Chapel Reading, welcome to the Bible teaching ministry of our senior pastor Jim Jarrett Here's Pastor Jim with today's study, designed to help us grow in the Word. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as you're fully aware, this coming Thursday is Thanksgiving. And so this morning, I want us to reflect together upon the importance of being thankful. And of course, Thanksgiving is always a great time to remind ourselves of the blessings that God has so graciously given to each one of us. It should rekindle in us that kind of God-centered gratitude that Jesus demands and deserves, and thankfulness that as Christians we, we should be on our, uh, thankfulness as Christians uh, should be on our lips every day, all year round. I mean, every day should be a day of Thanksgiving for the Christian because we certainly have much to be thankful for, don't we? And our, our greatest blessings are, of course, spiritual. I mean, just think of the abundant spiritual blessings that we have. Think of all of, of the riches of God's grace that are ours in Christ. I mean, as we've learned in Ephesians, God shows us in him before the foundation of the world. In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. God has revealed to us his purpose in history. In him, we have a glorious inheritance. We've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. I mean, our lives are hidden in Christ. We are safe and secure. We are assured of an eternal home in heaven. And this this is all far more than we deserve, far more than we deserve. I mean, everything comes to us as a gift of God's love and grace. And of course, the greatest blessing of God's grace and of the gospel is Christ himself. We should always be thankful for God, for the Holy Spirit, and, and for our Savior and Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the ultimate end of the gospel. He is our eternal treasure, our joy, our everything, or at least he certainly should be. And when we consider all that God in Christ has done for us and in us, you know, when we realize that he has given us himself, well then the only appropriate response is a deep gratitude that is expressed in continual praise and thanksgiving. And of course, we all have much to be thankful for, materially speaking. I mean, even though we as a nation are in an economic downturn, a, a period of high inflation, we still enjoy an unprecedented level of abundance when compared with the rest of the world. I mean, the poorest among us here this morning lives better than 95% of the world's population. Never in human history have so many people lived in the kind of comfort and security that we have enjoyed. The American culture leads the world in luxury. I mean, in addition to owning a nice home, many families have a driveway full of cars and often motorcycles and ATVs in the garage and an RV of some kind and or a boat parked alongside the garage along with a house full of the latest modern appliances and electronics for entertainment, a closet full of clothes and a refrigerator and a freezer full of food. I mean, we have so many material blessings that we should be thankful to God for. But as Martin Luther said, the greater God's gifts and works, the less they are regarded. Sadly, in these days of abundance and, and wealth, we tend to become unthankful, ungrateful, and even presumptuous. Instead of thanking God from whom all blessings flow, we develop an attitude of entitlement. And, and please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Being blessed by God to have an abundance is not sinful, not by any stretch of the imagination. And the Word of God describes a number of people who were both wealthy and godly. And people like Abraham, Joseph, David, Solomon, Josiah, Barnabas, Lydia, to name just a few. But we also find some in Scripture who became enamored with their wealth and lost sight of the Lord and, and his right to rule in their lives. So there's nothing wrong with having nice things. 
but the trouble begins when nice things have us. An attitude of entitlement can quickly overtake an attitude of thanksgiving, generosity, and humility. And so sadly, as someone has well said, the the scarcest virtue of the human race is gratitude. And today, never have people had so much and been so ungrateful. Ungratefulness is flourishing throughout our culture, and as Christians, we're not immune. In fact, often, apart from prayers of, of thanks recited out of duty at meals, you wonder if anyone would ever know that we're a grateful, thankful people, much less the recipients of God's great mercy and abundant grace. And loved ones, this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be. Because being thankful is a fundamental Christian attitude that should mark the life of every single believer, and it's one of the essential spiritual realities in the life of the church. And God wants wants to make us a people who exhibit thankfulness. Thankfulness in proportion to the gifts and the blessings that we've received. And thankfulness is, is something that we see throughout Scripture. And the Bible is clear that believing hearts are thankful hearts. I mean, over and over and over again, Scripture stresses the importance of giving thanks. I mean, for example, a few uh, Scriptures from the Old Testament. In Psalm 50, verse 14, we read, Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. In Psalm 107, verses 21 and 22, we read, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. Or Psalm 92, 1, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. And then there's Psalm 118, in which... uh, The word thanks is used more than in any other psalm. In fact, it begins and ends with, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And then there's Psalm 100. We read in the introductory title of Psalm 100 that it is a psalm for giving thanks. And obviously, it's not the only psalm out of the 150 that that is used to, to give thanks. And there are expressions of thanks and exhortations to give thanks in in many, many of the psalms. But Psalm 100 is the only psalm explicitly identified as a psalm for giving thanks. And then in the New Testament, in Ephesians 5.20, Paul writes, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3.17, Paul writes, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then in Hebrews 13.15, we read, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Throughout scripture, we are exhorted to be thankful. And thanksgiving should permeate our lives, our speech, our songs, and and our prayers. We're to thank God when, when we speak, when we sing, when we pray. I mean, being thankful is to be a part of our daily life. And I am as guilty as the next person in failing to thank God enough. I mean, setting aside a little time every day to just thank God uh, for all he is and all he has done is such a simple thing to do. But we forget, don't we? As one man said, we don't forget to ask him. We only forget to thank him. And that's true. You know, I was reflecting the other day uh, how when when we travel, we always begin with prayer, asking for, for traveling mercies, that God will keep his hand of protection upon us and take us safely to our destination without difficulty or delay. And then when we leave, we pray the same thing coming back. And then often when we arrive home, we forget to thank God for answering that prayer. But the Word of God tells us of the importance of of giving thanks. You know, in the Old Testament sacrificial system, there were sin offerings. Sin offerings were designed to be brought by the people as, as constant reminders of their sinfulness and of their ongoing need for forgiveness, atonement, cleansing, and righteousness before God. So every time they brought a sin offering, and they did it often throughout the year, they were reminded of how sinful they they really were and how desperately they needed to be made fully and completely righteous. But there were also other kinds of offerings prescribed in the Old Testament. They were called thank offerings, also called in Leviticus peace offerings. 
And those were designed not to remind the people of sin, but rather to remind the people of their need to be thankful to God for all of his merciful and gracious provisions for their needs. And so they would bring in a a sheaf of grain or oil and wine as a thank offering. I mean, these things were symbols of all of God's provision and, and reminders that they needed to be thankful to God who supplied them with absolutely everything. As one man said, even today as a church, since our Lord himself ordained it, we have a ceremony as Christians. We call it communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper, and it combines both the elements of the sin offering in terms of its memorial character and elements of the thank offering into one. And that's exactly right. When we come together to take communion, it's not only a time of remembrance, though it is certainly that, but it's also a time of thanksgiving. We remember Christ, uh, we remember Christ the sacrifice for our sins, and we thank him for all that sacrifice has accomplished for us. And remembering how, how sinful we are causes us to give thanks, or it should. Thanksgiving should mark our lives as believers, and you're going to hear me say that over and over again. And it's not by accident. There's a method to my madness. We learn by repetition. Thanksgiving should mark our lives as believers. However, I'm afraid that we as Christians are ungrateful far too often. I mean, we're always asking God for what we don't have and, and spending little time thanking him for what we do have. And I'm afraid we as Christians are, are content to enjoy the gifts while forgetting to thank the giver. And so we should be praying every day that, that, that we would have a thankful spirit, a, a thankful heart. And so the Bible repeatedly stresses the importance of giving thanks. The scriptures also give us many examples of those who were thankful. I mean, for example, King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, who wrote many of the psalms, is a great example of someone who is continually thankful to the Lord. And we see that in many of his psalms. Psalm 52, 9, I will thank you forever. Psalm 54, 6, with a free will offering I will sacrifice to you. I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for it is good. Psalm 56, 12, I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. Psalm 57, 9, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. So David is an example of one who was thankful to the Lord. Daniel is also a faithful example. Daniel was such a faithful man. In in, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, we read, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. It was a habit of Daniel's life to give thanks privately. And so should we. But we should also give thanks publicly. I mean, in Psalm 35, just as an illustration, verse 18 says, I will thank you in the great congregation, and in the mighty throng I will praise you. So King David, Daniel were were examples. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament is another example of someone who is thankful. I mean, in 2 Corinthians 9.15, he wrote, Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. In Romans chapter 6, verse 17, but thanks be to God. Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians two fourteen. but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Colossians 1.12, Paul writes of giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 2.6, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. I mean, thankfulness characterized the life of the Apostle Paul. I mean, he began his letter to the Colossians with these words. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 
mean, this giving of thanks is, is, is significant when you stop and think that Paul wrote this letter while under house arrest, chained every day to a Roman soldier. I mean, think of it. Paul was in prison. The church had problems, but the apostle could still give thanks to God. And there was no self-pity, no pessimistic outlook for the Colossian believers. Paul exemplified his instructions to, to others to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I mean, Paul practiced what he preached. His attitude of thanksgiving is a great example for us today, because if anybody could have been depressed and downcast, it was Paul. I mean, the man was in prison. The churches were under attack, both from opponents from the Jewish faith and also from other people within the church who hated Paul and were opposed to him. And, and some of the churches that he planted had already begun to disintegrate. I mean, this man could be depressed. And yet he was a man characterized by sincere thanksgiving. I mean, it's amazing. The Apostle Paul was always thankful, wasn't he? That's a question, wasn't he? Yes, thank you. I mean, being thankful is repeated over and over and over again in all of Paul's letters. In fact, in, in his letter to the Colossians, there's thanks or thanksgiving in every chapter, every chapter, and for good reason. Because the Holy Spirit considers a thankful spirit very important, and he knows that we are so often not thankful, and we need to be reminded of that. And so the Holy Spirit had Paul repeat this theme over and over again in his letters. And then we have the example of the early church. You know, Thanksgiving was part of their fellowship. In 1 Corinthians 14, verses 16 and 17, Paul said this, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you're saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Well, of course, Paul is referring there to speaking in tongues. And, and he says, if you're, if you're praying in this way, people cannot understand what you're saying, so how can they say amen at your giving of thanks? And that's why I even mentioned this, uh, this passage. The point is simply that giving thanks, obviously, uh, what was, was a common part of worship when the people of the Corinthian church came together, but not just in Corinth, but in, in all of the early church. In Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. I mean, in the early church, they were praying, they were teaching, they were singing, and they were giving thanks. They were always giving thanks. Again, Psalm 100, the psalm of thanksgiving I mentioned just a moment ago, there's an invitation in that psalm to thank God. In verse 4 of Psalm 100, it says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Psalm 100 was said to have been used as an invitation from one Jewish worshiper to another to come to the holy city or to the temple and to thank God for all of his blessings. And the emphasis here is upon God's people gathering in the temple to thank and praise him together. So this is not just a, a good way of saying it's good to go to church, though that is certainly true. The Bible teaches that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. But this verse teaches that there's a, a special aspect of giving thanks to God that involves all the people of God together, corporately, and not only in, in the private worship and devotion of individual Christians. Because you see, when God called us to Christ, He didn't call us to isolation but rather to be his people together. That's why the Bible and the New Testament were described as being one body. And so we should be participating in worshiping and, and giving thanks to God with, with, with other believers in, in, in the corporate setting. And when we come together to worship, it says we're to enter in with thanksgiving, you know, with grateful, thankful hearts. In our worship services, our hearts should be overflowing with thanks to God. For as one commentator said, so long as we are receivers of mercy, which we do every moment of every day, he said, so long as we are receivers of mercy, we must be givers of thanks. Now, obviously, everybody can't stand up and give God thanks in, in the service, or we'd never get through the service. 
But an attitude of thankfulness should be rising up within our hearts, and that attitude in our hearts should be outwardly expressed and wholeheartedly singing God's praise, giving Him thanks and praise that way, and then by attentively listening to the preaching of His Word. I mean, because of all we have in Christ, they were to be characterized by abounding or overflowing thanksgiving for His grace in our lives. But how often is this attitude missing in our worship? You know, when in reality we have so much to be thankful for. It ought to be said of every Christian, that is a thankful person. That is a thankful person. So the question that begs the question, is that our attitude? You know, are we thankful? Are you thankful? Does thankfulness characterize your life and mine? Thankfulness is not only to characterize our lives as individual believers, it's to characterize our life together. This is how we're to relate to one another in the church. Because you see, believers who are full of gratitude to God for his gracious calling will find it much easier to extend to fellow believers the grace of love and forgiveness and to put aside petty issues that might inhibit or even destroy the peace of Christ in the local church. There's no room for ill will or bitterness uh, if thankfulness prevails in our hearts and in the church. And so we have the example of the early church and it's, an, and it's an example for us to follow. Another example of being thankful in Scripture is the angels. In fact, if Revelation 4.9 is, is any indication, the angels spend a lot of time giving thanks to God. We read in Revelation chapter 4, verse 9, the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever. And then in Revelation 7, verses 11 and 12, we read, And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then later in the book of Revelation, you find the angels doing it again in chapter 11, verse 16. And there you also have the 24 elders apparently joining with the angels and saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty. And the point is simply that the angels are another example of continually giving thanks to God. And there there are many, many examples in the Bible of giving thanks. And so we could go on and on talking about passages of Scripture that deal with that issue. Let me give you just one more example, and that is the example of our Lord, Jesus himself. Jesus was grateful for what God gave to him, grateful for God's blessing given to him, and he accepted whatever it was that God gave him with a grateful heart. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is basically thanking the Father there for the privilege, the great privilege of ministry. In John chapter 11, verse 41, at the tomb of Lazarus, we read, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he said in verse 43, Lazarus, come out. You know, he thanked the Father for hearing his prayer for power on behalf of Lazarus. Now, you wouldn't really think that Jesus would need to thank the Father for anything since he too is God. But he did. He thanked the Father for the privilege of ministry. He thanked the Father for hearing his prayer for power on behalf of Lazarus. And he also thanked the Father for the death that he would die to redeem sinners. 
The night in which he was betrayed, Jesus gathered his little band of disciples in the upper room. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Now think of what he's saying there. He's giving thanks for the cross. He's giving thanks for the piercing of his hands and feet, for, for the searing pain and for that, that awful, that, that horrible darkness and torment as he suf- suffered the wrath of God for our sin and was being forsaken by the Father. Jesus gave thanks for this. He's our greatest example of, of giving thanks in the Scriptures. And so the scriptures give us many examples of those who were thankful. Our supreme example, of course, being the Lord himself. Well, why is thankfulness important? Well, first of all, because being thankful is a very good test of our spiritual state. Being unthankful is is a characteristic of those who do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, unbelievers think anything they have, they've earned by their own efforts, and they have no need to thank anyone. And one of the counts in Paul's indictment of unbelievers in his letter to the Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verse 21, says, he writes, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give what to him? Thanks to him. They did not give thanks to him. Paul indicts unbelievers for that. So near the top of of the list of sins that characterize the unsaved is being unthankful. You know, Paul writing to Timothy about what would characterize many in the church in the last days said this in 2 Timothy 3 verses 1 and 2. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people, this is in the church, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and then he says, ungrateful, and then unholy. Then in 2 Timothy 3, verse 13, just a little, uh, few verses later, he said, evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so the closer we get to the second coming of Jesus Christ, the more wicked men will become, and the more wicked they become, the more thankless they will be. So it doesn't surprise us to see unsaved people going through life complaining, murmuring, bitter, angry, and thankless without any gratitude, expecting everything good that comes their way and a whole lot more. I mean, we can understand how people who do not know God can be thankless. We can understand a world of of unsaved, thankless people. I mean, unbelievers are by nature unthankful. They do not thank God. And that shouldn't surprise us, really, because they're simply being what they are by nature. Christians, on the other hand, are to be characterized by thankfulness. And so how then are we to understand a thankless Christian? Especially in light of all that God has done for us in Christ. I mean, scripturally speaking, a thankless Christian is a contradiction in terms. And I don't think we understand just how ugly being an unthankful believer really is. As one man said, a thankless spirit betrays a life which no longer is focusing on the greatness of Christ. If thanksgiving is God's due from all humanity for his gifts of creation and providence, which it is, then how much more is it due from those who have received the surpassing gift of his glorious grace? I mean, when a person becomes a Christian, all of a sudden there's a new heart, a new nature, a new inner life. They're they're a new creation, and built into that newness of life is a heart of thanksgiving that, that cries out in gratitude to God. I mean, it's hard to find someone more thankful than a brand new Christian. I mean, they are just overflowing with thanksgiving just all over the place, as they should be. 
Because thanksgiving is part of the fabric of our new life. In fact, it is evidence of our new life. It is evidence of God's grace and the work of the Spirit within us. Being thankful is is also a mark of Christian maturity. When a believer is abounding in thanksgiving, you know that that person is making progress in his or her spiritual walk. A healthy, mature Christian walk overflows with thanksgiving and praise to God for all he is and for all he has done for us in Christ Jesus. I mean, thankfulness is a visible response to the grace of God in our lives, and it points to the fact that we understand that all things are provided for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. But isn't it interesting how even Christians can become unthankful? I mean, for an unregenerate person to be unthankful, that's, that's normal. For a Christian to be unthankful, that is abnormal. I mean, we live in a thankless age, don't we? In fact, this has got to be the most thankless age there ever was. On the one hand, you have people who have more than they've ever had, but they also know there's more out there that they don't have. And so no matter what they do have, they don't have everything they could have, so they don't have everything they want, and it breeds an attitude of of thanklessness. And it's easy for us as believers, if we're not careful, to fall into the thanklessness of the culture. We very easily fall into the sin of ingratitude which is exactly why the New Testament repeatedly calls us to thankfulness so that we don't fall into the patterns of the culture around us. Again, thanksgiving should be the the normal pattern of every Christian's life. We're to continually be giving thanks to God. We should be giving thanks because of our salvation. I mean, if you think you, you have nothing else to be thankful for, well, thank God for your salvation. Because apart from that, you're on your way to an eternal hell. That alone is enough for us to be thankful for throughout eternity. But on top of that, we should be giving thanks because God gives us all the necessities of life, spiritual and physical. And as new creations in Christ, we're to live out that reality. Our lives are to be characterized by compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, and above all these other virtues, we're to put on love because love is what holds it all together. And we're to let the peace of Christ rule our hearts, and we're to be thankful. That's part of it. That's that's who we are in Christ. And as one man said, there is nothing so becoming the children of God as their public thankfulness and gratitude for God's unmerited favor and unfathomable goodness to them. And so really you could sort of sum up a a godly person's life by saying they're, they're joyful and they are thankful. And so being, being thankful uh, or, uh, being thankful is important because being thankful is a good test of our spiritual state. But not only that, being thankful is also God's will for our lives. Turn, if you will, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at verses 16 through 18. Paul's here giving instruction for the the Christian life. And he says, Rejoice always, verse 16. Verse 17, Pray without ceasing. Now verse 18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. This is the will of God for us in Christ Jesus. So you want to know, you know, what what is the will of God for your life? Well, I can tell you for certain these things are. Rejoice, always pray without ceasing, and give thanks. 
But you will notice that we are not only to give thanks. Paul says we are to give thanks in what? All circumstances, or could be rendered in everything, give thanks. And so not only does God desire this, he commands it. And so even though we may not always feel like rejoicing, praying, or or giving God thanks, you know, our circumstances may not be conducive to these things, yet we're still to do them. As the verse says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the idea here is not that you must do it because God wills it, but rather knowing that it's God's will, you will do it. And not only that, you can do it. You say, okay, but how? Because being thankful in all circumstances, including when difficult or painful situations you know, invade our lives, that certainly pushes us far beyond, the, uh, far beyond our natural capabilities. And that's certainly true. Okay, so how do we do this? Well, as one man said, God does not demand that which he does not give the power to perform. Whatever God calls us to do, he also enables us to do. The ability to follow these commands is made possible by the grace of God and by the power of the indwelling Spirit. Remember, we we briefly touched on it last week in Ephesians. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us and is available to us. It's not something that God gives us in addition to what we already have. It's there. It's ours. We just need to draw upon it. I mean, God's will for for all who are in Christ is is to give thanks in all circumstances. We're to be characterized by unceasing joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. And ultimately, this, this boils down to understanding and trusting in the promises of Scripture and how God uses all things together for the good in accomplishing His sovereign purposes in this life. And so when we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, and, and there's no exceptions there, There's not an exception clause. When we find ourselves in difficult circumstances facing persecution, tragedy, grief, sorrow, suffering, whatever, when we're pressured by, by events beyond our control, we can complain, worry, or rebel, or we can be thankful. Say, for what? We can be thankful that God is on the throne. We can be thankful that God is in absolute control of all things, and that includes all things in our lives. There is nothing that takes place in our life that hasn't passed through his loving hand. We can be thankful that God is on the throne, he is in control, that he is too wise to make any mistakes, he is too loving to be unkind, and he is too powerful for his purposes to be defeated. There's always something to thank God for. Being thankful is God's will for our lives. Uh, Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Got to get some of the gold off the edges. Ephesians chapter 5. There in verses 3 and 4, Paul writes, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness or or dirty talk, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, you know, speaking of obscenities, which are out of place. But instead, he says, let there be what? Thanksgiving. So here we see that, that giving thanks should so characterize our lives that it's just part of our normal speech. Look down at verses 18 through 20 there in Ephesians 5. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And what does being filled with the Spirit look like, Paul? Dressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, giving thanks he always, he says, 
So a person filled with the Spirit is characterized not by some kind of you know, wild experiences or ecstatic languages, but rather the person filled with the Spirit is characterized by singing to the Lord and by thankfulness. They're always giving thanks. Thanking God for everything, for all the blessings He pours out upon them, blessings that we can share with others and cause even more thanks to be given to God. I mean, thanks should, should always be on our lips. We should be thankful in in everything, constantly, unceasingly. When we pray, we should do so with an attitude of thanksgiving. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said, Do not be anxious about anything, or, or don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with what? Thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So Paul says there in Philippians 4, 6, Be anxious. Uh, for nothing or don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And he's saying even in times of great anxiety, fear, and worry, when we're we're bringing our requests to God in prayer, it's to be done in an attitude of thanksgiving. So being thankful should characterize our lives, our our speech, our prayers. Turn over to Colossians chapter 2. We've already read some of these verses that we're, going to, that we're going to go through, but we'll, we'll touch on them here a little bit. Colossians 2, look at verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in what? Thanksgiving. Paul says Christians are to be abounding in thanksgiving. It ought to be a, a constant way of life. Turn over to Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be, what? Thankful. So this is kind of like Philippians 4, 6. Don't be stressed. Don't be anxious. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Be thankful. Look at Colossians 3.17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That kind of covers it all, right? Everything. Do everything. Everything we do is to be marked by the giving of thanks. So you go to the the baseball game. You should be giving thanks. Why? Well, first of all, that God has given you the wherewithal to be able to go to the game. And you live in a place where you can do that freely and then go and enjoy the game. Or when you go to, uh, you know, the opera or or the theater. Again, at, at the very least, you should be thanking God that you have the wherewithal to go to those things, to attend those things. You see, loved ones, it's just all through the scriptures. We're to be thankful. We are called to be people who are constantly giving thanks to God. You know, I said earlier that Paul was always thankful, and he was. In fact, he even found reason to thank God for the Corinthian church that was just so messed up and, and carnal and full of problems. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul, writing to these people, says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. What was he thankful for? Well, he wasn't, he wasn't thankful for their sin. He, wasn't, uh, he, he was thankful that they were saved. I mean, Paul was thankful to God for the wonderful work that he had done in the Corinthians. I mean, Paul looked at the Corinthians with all of their problems, and there were many. And he said, I'm thankful for the grace that God has given you. Whereas you or I might have said, Paul, what are you talking about? I mean, you realize you're, you're, you're talking about the Corinthians here, the most messed up church in the New Testament? You know, and you're thankful? He would have said, yeah. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing how God saved them? 
I mean, they were thieves, murderers, homosexuals, adulterers, drunks, but God graciously saved them. I mean, Paul was thankful for the conversion of the Corinthians when they were saved by grace. I mean, he, he was actually thankful for them. Even though they broke Paul's heart, he found something to be thankful for. And that's the point, isn't it? We're always to be thankful. We're always to be thankful, even in difficult times when it's hard to find things to be thankful for. You know, for many, many years, I, I thought about, when I thought about the first Thanksgiving, I pictured it as the pilgrim's joyful celebration of, you know, a bountiful harvest, sharing with the, the Indians all of God's abundant provision and a fertile new land, you know. Uh, but that's not the case at all. Celebrating the first Thanksgiving was an act of faith and sober worship, not a natural response to prosperity and abundance. In the fall of 1620, the Mayflower set sail for Virginia with 102 passengers on board. And on December 16th, they landed in Massachusetts, which was far, uh, far north of their intended destination. And they did so just as winter was setting in. And in this northern climate, which was much harsher than uh, Virginia's, the settlers were, were unprepared for the cold season ahead. And winter brought bitter temperatures, rampant sickness. Their shelters were, were very primitive, I mean, quite crude. Food was scarce. People lay dying. That winter, all but three families, all but three families, dug graves in the frozen New England soil to bury a husband, wife, or child. And by the, by the spring of 1621, half of the pilgrims had died from disease and starvation. No one was untouched by tragedy. And so to say they went through a lot of hardship is an understatement. However, being people who were very devout in their faith, they took these hardships in stride as receiving them from God, and they called for many times of fasting and prayer. But there came a point when they were so discouraged that there was even talk of them returning to England in spite of the persecution and, and all the restrictions that were there. And so they once again assembled in a public meeting, and again the leaders were advocating that they call for a day of, of fasting and prayer. But then one of the old Puritans stood up. And he said, I think that we have come to the place where we are so concerned in the burdens and in our problems and in our fasting and prayer that we have forgotten to recognize and be thankful to God for all that he has done. He continued, our colonies are being strengthened. Our streams are full of fish. Our crops are getting bigger. The land is absolutely glorious and we're, we're able to worship the Lord here as we desire to worship him without the dictates of the government. He said, I think rather than a day of fasting and prayer, we should call for a day of thanksgiving. And so they chose to be grateful for what they had rather than to focus on all that they had lost. And they had to look for blessings actively and deliberately. And their thanksgiving was not based on pleasant circumstances, but rather on the understanding that God was to be thanked in both prosperity and adversity. Their gratitude was not a positive thinking facade, but rather a deep and steadfast trust that God was guiding all of their circumstances, even when life was difficult. You see, viewing their lives through a lens of gratitude absolutely changed their perspective. And so in the midst of the monumental hardship and losses they suffered, the pilgrims chose to give thanks. And so the first Thanksgiving, the day that has been celebrated every year since, is a day in which we stop to remember the goodness of God and the blessings of God in spite of our current circumstances. I mean, we have hardships in this life. We go through trials. I mean, it's not easy. It is a tough life and a tough world. And it's a narrow road and a hard road that we travel. And we are living in a nation that is under the judgment of God. 
His judgment of abandonment as he lifts his hand, uh, he lifts his restraining hand and gives us over to the consequences of our national sins. And as a result, life is getting more difficult. It's getting tougher every day. And it's going to continue to do so as our nation and the world races at breakneck speed toward God's judgment, his final judgment. And so what if next year is worse? What if next year is worse? Let me read you what one man wrote. And he's writing in the context of all of Paul's thankfulness and thanksgiving in, in, in in the book of Colossians. So keep that in mind. He writes, Gratitude is not for fair weather hearts. Real gratitude weathers even the fiercest storms and coldest winds. We may lose sight that Paul's epistle to the Colossians and its waves and waves of gratitude was written from the danger, isolation, and injustice of prison. Most of us have known very little of the pain and uncertainty Paul was experiencing, and yet how many of us have grumbled more and thanked less? Gratitude that dissolves and dissipates in the valley may not have been real gratitude on the mountaintop. Perhaps it was simply contentment in our comfort and security. But those who are grateful in the valley are those whose hearts were set on God before the valley. And if next, and if next year is worse than this one, if the valley dips deeper and darker, then we'll still have plenty of reasons to thank God. What may be even more surprising than Paul's gratitude in prison, though, is how he turns his suffering into a harvest. At the same time, pray also for us. This is a quote from Colossians 4. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He's pleading with God to open doors behind closed doors, even behind locked doors. He received trials as unique opportunities to tell people about Jesus. Gratitude, he said, has that kind of an effect on a person. And then he said, so how will you pray for the remaining weeks of this challenging year? What doors might God yet open for the gospel in the inconveniences, the cancellations, the restrictions, the interruptions, the disappointments? If all we do, if we do all we do with thankfulness, we will be far more likely to recognize the doors as God opens them. And so back to his question, what if next year is worse? Well, loved ones, even if it is, in the midst of all of the darkness that surrounds us as believers in Jesus Christ, there is much for us to be thankful for. And if God has made us his in Christ and promised us himself forever, oh my, I mean, we have have reasons, endless reasons to be very thankful. Look, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what it holds for you. But I can promise you this. If you're in Christ, The one who holds you is guiding all your circumstances and he will keep you from ultimately falling and bring you into eternal life. And for that assurance, we can all be thankful. And so it's so important that we're a thankful people. We don't want to be like the nine lepers in Luke 17 who did not come back to thank Jesus. No, we want to be like the one who did the one who came back with a thankful heart, giving glory to God and thanks to Jesus because we have so much to be thankful for. But in saying that, I think that sometimes we have so much that it dulls our gratitude. One man said it would probably be so much easier if we had very little and were deprived of almost everything so that we would be filled with thankfulness with just a loaf of bread. I mean, do you know how many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world and other places, when they pray, give us this day our daily bread, that's a literal prayer. They're thankful. 
And we have so much and we've come to expect so much that we forget how much we really have. And we forget how richly and abundantly we've been blessed. Loved ones, we have lots of reasons to give thanks. Thanksgiving is important. It is essential. Because the Christian life from the beginning to end is a life of extraordinary grace. And loved ones, God's grace, God's giving deserves our thanksgiving. Amen. But, you know, if this morning, you know, as you're sitting here, you're thinking, you know what, I really don't have an attitude of thankfulness. Well, I would encourage you to pray and and ask our loving Father in heaven to open the eyes of your heart to see all of the blessings and all of the riches of the salvation that is yours in Jesus Christ. And then... Perhaps it would do good uh, for each one of us to go home this afternoon and to begin to list the many blessings of God in our lives, just to rekindle our gratitude. And let me tell you this, when, when you begin to list the blessings, you must remember this. All that you have, all that you will ever have, all that you are, all that you will ever be, has been received and will be received from our Father in heaven. So what do you have that you have not received? And if you've received it, Paul said, why do you act as if you have not? When you begin to list all of the blessings, just remember every single one of them. There's so much more that we probably can't even think of comes from God. That's not to negate your hard work, your business acumen, none of that. But where does the ability to work come from? Who, does the Bible say, gives us the ability to gain wealth? God. Paul said, I worked harder than them all, speaking of all the other apostles. Then he said, yet not I, but what? The grace of God within me. So saying that everything you've had you received isn't to negate your, your hard work and effort, not at all. We just need to recognize the ability to work hard, the ability to think, the ability to gain wealth. All of that is a gift from God. All of it, everything. So you see why the Bible calls us continually to be thankful? Because literally, we have everything, literally everything to be thankful for. So let me encourage you not to let this Thanksgiving come and go without taking inventory of all of God's blessings in your lives. Of all the things you have to be thankful for. Oh my goodness, I mean, just the fact that we uh, had a roof over our heads last night, woke up this morning, are in relatively good health, had, had the ability to, a vehicle to get to church. We have a place to worship that that's, has comfortable seating and, and heating in the winter and cooling uh, in the summer. Though you may think the cooling's on now, you know, I don't know. But, uh, but I mean, those are all things that, we so often don't even think about and don't really thank God for. We have everything to be thankful for. And being biblical gratitude, being thankful, that's not just something that should come and go with the passing of thanksgiving. No, it's to be the attitude uh, of our lives each and every day of the year. Thanksgiving should pervade each moment of each day of each year. I mean, to sinners forever saved by grace, Thanksgiving should be significant, to say the least, even central. Healthy Christians are thankful Christians. And we need to understand Thanksgiving is what we were created for. And it's at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. So may our hearts be continually filled with thanksgiving, not not just today, not just this week as we approach thanksgiving, but every day, every day. We are to be a thankful people.
behalf of Pastor Jim Jarrett and everyone at Calvary Chapel Reading Palisadro, we hope and pray this study you just heard will help you grow in the Word. If you have any remaining questions or comments, please call us at 530-547-4400. That's 530-547-4400. Or write to us at P.O. Box 837, Palisadro, California, 96073. You can also email us through the website at ccredding.com. Thank you for listening. And may God richly bless you. Grow.